0: Are you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of Venturesuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings Product Launch Rebels and welcome once again to the Product Launch
1: Rebel Podcast. I am your host, John Benzik from Venture Superfly, where we help double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you're in a sea of self-doubt. Today I'm excited to interview Amanda Cincelli. Amanda is an accomplished surfer and in 2011, from scratch, she started a brand of surf and swimwear and wetsuits for women. And the name of that company is called Sia. Amanda grew up on an island in Brazil, moved back to her family's native country of Italy, and then found herself settling in San Clemente, California, near the ocean. And that's when she started her company. And the surf industry has a major association called SEMA, the Surf Industry Manufacturers Association. And in 2016 and 17, this year, Sia was nominated for Women's Swim Brand of the Year, and in 2017 this year, the Breakout Brand of the Year. So Sia is on fire right now and hitting its stride, so I'm extra stoked to be talking with Amanda at this key point in Sia's journey. Additionally, I'm a surfer myself, so I'm extra thrilled to be learning about her company. To learn more about Amanda and Sia, visit the Sia. Dot com. Hello, Amanda, and thanks for taking the time, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, John. I'm very honored to be part of it, and I hope I can inspire entrepreneurs.
1: Absolutely. This will be so great. So, Amanda, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics, which helps set the context about your company for our listeners. The second part is what I call Tell Me How, where we'll get to the heart of the matter on issues that aspiring entrepreneurs want to know now to help them move forward. And the final part is the let's get personal piece where we get into some of the more personal topics about what it's like to launch a business. Amanda, what do you think? Are you ready for some questions?
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm ready.
1: So Amanda, before we get into the heart of the interview... First things first, let's stick to priorities here. How is the surf in San Clemente today, and what's your favorite surf spot there?
2: Surf is actually really good right now. It's three to five feet. We have beautiful sunny skies, and uh, it's actually a, a very, very appealing day to be out on the water and not in the office. But we decided to, to skip it today, and Friday is going to be our surf office day. So we'll all be at the beach, and my favorite beach is San Onofre, which is right down the street So really easy, accessible, and very friendly longboard waves can be really fun.
1: My cousin who lives in San Diego texted me a short video of a shark breaching trestles about a week ago. Is that true? Did you hear about that?
2: Oh, I'm sure they're out there. I try not to think about it, but we know that they're out there, and I'm sure they don't want to bother us. And so I'll try to <laughs> to stick to looking at the waves. That's right. And not what's underneath. Yes. Right,
1: good point. So Amanda, tell us the story. How did you originally come up with the Sia idea? How did you choose to start the business?
2: The idea wasn't actually to start a business. I wasn't uh, really thinking that it would become (laughs) a company. But I I, I sewed samples for myself because I was going on a trip to Costa Rica. And I was really frustrated what I was wearing at the time to surf in warm water. It was really um, flattering board shorts or rash guards with logos or bikinis that, you know, had (laughs) several malfunctions while surfing. So at the same time, I bought... I'm... um, Craft lover, I love to sew things and to make things with my hands. So, my whole <laughs> life, I decided to that I can do things by myself, and that was one uh, one project that I tackled on. I bought a serger, which is a sewing machine that you use to sew knit knit fabrics, and I self taught myself how to sew with that machine, and and then I came out with a product that was pretty fun and was pretty cool to surf in, and was very comfortable. Uh, and when I was surfing in it I, people were complimenting me and I just thought that it would be a good product to share with the fellow surfers and with the women that I love the water women out there. So it kind of started as a you know as, as a craft and a hobby and but I was at the right time and the right place because I found out shortly after that LA was a very good hub for manufacturing uh, and being a freelance designer myself I knew how to do all the technical side of the development. So little by little, I start making more and more surf suits.
1: <laughs> That's terrific. And who do you sell to now? What types of retailers?
2: We have all sorts of retailers because before we started with the boutique, surf boutiques where, you know, it's a higher price point and they don't, don't sell the mainstream surf brands. So they, and unfortunately we have quite a few of them in, in California. And they are also the trendsetters for other surf stores around the world so it was really great because first they took my suits in consignment a little bit surprised at first they were like what is this you know because they're kind of hybrid they have long sleeve most of them have long sleeve for some protective and some had suits so they kind of look like a Maybe like a leotard or um, it's not a typical swimsuit, let's say. Uh, now you see a lot more <laughs> out there. So at first they were like, oh, what is this? This is interesting. We'll try, you know. Like they gave me the benefit of the doubt and they liked them, and and they start selling them. And as they start selling them, I was able to produce more a little at the time, and uh, and the word kind of like spread because they say stores in Japan would come to these beautiful, like well curated. A boutique stores in California and, and see the, the suits and contact me. So we didn't have um, Distributed distribution set up right away But let's say it was an organic way of growing because uh, it was a little at the time So beside the surf boutiques which were the first doors where we were in also um, fashion boutiques start um, uh, buying and we were um, you know, also, uh getting more sales reps Uh, Some in the East Coast, which opened really important doors with, for example, Shopbop and Anthropology, Urban Outfitters. Um, And so these stores definitely made us step up on the production size and on the growth of the company. So let's say that small uh, surf boutiques are our, you know, the beginning and the most important stores, but then the the more fashion-oriented, bigger accounts were what gave us more support as far as size.
1: I think my wife and I were at REI a week or two ago, and my wife, I think she saw Sia there. Is that correct?
2: Yes, we are really excited. This is the first year uh, we start selling to them. Uh, so I hope things go well. And this makes me really happy because it means that also uh, other outdoors and water women that, you know, love to be active but also want to look good are interested in our suits. So
1: how many employees do you have now?
2: So we have, um, let's say, four full-time, um, but 10 in total. So we, we work a lot with, um, you know, uh, contract people so they can go surf and not be in the office all day. <laughs> and, and then also we have people that come in and help in the warehouse depending on the sales season. And then we have the Sia so our team rider, which I consider part of the family.
1: Amanda, most entrepreneurs, they go into business with a set of assumptions. And many of those assumptions proved to be wrong or different from what they expected. And oftentimes, they have to make changes and scramble to survive. Regarding SIA's uniqueness, the designs that you came up with, it sounded like those original designs that you came up with were pretty in line with what people wanted. Is that true? Or did you have to do some tweaks along the way as you had evolved?
2: Uh well, the tweaks are always necessary, I think to improve, and there is you know a le- lesson uh, every time you make a new suit and you surf in so there's definitely a lesson in every time that a new product come out so you wanna you wanna this question is about do you want to know about the product or about the company?
1: Well, more about the product that you originally came out with, and it sounds like even though you weren't planning to launch a business or get too serious about it, you seem to really strike a chord with people out there and retailers. It seemed that they responded well to your product and you kept designing.
2: Yes. So again, like the the importance of always paying attention to every single detail uh, will tell me, you know, what is the I think they need to be changed and evolving the The importance to me in a in in a technical suit or something that it's it's relevant for the stores is it can be just related of okay, this performs well, it has to look good women and men, I think, and whatever you're doing, even just sports, you you want to make sure you feel comfortable in and then you look good and so to me the 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 balance needs to be always about the relevance of the product, so yes, people need this, and would somebody look good in this? So the technical combined with the aesthetic.
1: How would you describe the uniqueness of your overall design philosophy or approach?
2: I think the uniqueness is is on both the silhouettes and the color combinations and the textile. Uh, I pretty much do the whole design part. So I start with the fabrics and the the prints, and then I combine them with uh, with colors. That that's one of my favorite parts too, because it's just um, it's so open and so free to to be able to to create textiles. And then it becomes more strict when it has to be applied to the to the actual design of the suit.
1: So Amanda, here we are in the tell me how segment of the podcast where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. Amanda, let's talk about raising capital or getting money to fund your startup. Did you originally raise capital for SIA?
2: Uh, No, actually, we are self-funded. Me and my husband had money saved for a down payment and we use it to start SIA.
1: (laughs) That's terrific. So at no point along the way, did you seek outside investors?
2: we we kept it really um as low growth and as low production orders so that we didn't have to actually uh, raise money.
1: Do you have any underpinning philosophy about that or rationale?
2: Yes, we really would like to make it by ourselves and and because I think it becomes a completely different beast a completely different machine when you're on your company and then you have death and you you have to make money to pay somebody else to me it would be really stressful uh, and so if if we do raise money i would like it to be for a partner that becomes part of sia and i really hope that we can keep going this way on auto financing and having the cash flow that we have right now i know Uh, Things get tough when you scale and that's always the the, the hard question on how to grow and like what is the vision and for so far our vision is still to grow steady but slowly and to be able to to keep, you know, making our employees happy and not be able to just make product to, to survive and to make the company survive.
1: And given your success, have you had investors approach you?
2: I received a couple emails from, for loaner credits, and, but never for uh, for investors.
1: Well, let's switch gears and talk about finding a manufacturer. This is your first time in launching a business like this, a soft goods company. How did you go about finding a manufacturer that you could trust?
2: <laughs> That's the toughest question so far, which is very key. Uh, it's really hard. It's really hard in... Uh, and factories are so important for for the product. I was fortunate fortunate enough to have um, the factory that I started producing would still be our main factory right now they are family to family to in the meaning that they're not actually related to us but we consider them as family because you know they also now depend on us but it's hard it's very hard and the only way to find good factories unfortunately try on error. And, and keep asking questions and always uh, look around, whatever it is, if it's magazines, sourcing, trade shows, walk around in the neighborhood, <laughs> anything, you know, in LA, it's pretty intense, but there is so much going on. So asking questions is the best way to everybody. And that's how I, I found this factory is the person who was making um, the sizing, the grading for our suits was in contact with this factory so i asked him and he took me to the factory and that's how how our relationship started but now that we're growing we do need to to have other factories and uh we expanded to two more but again it's it works for a little bit and then depending on the machine they need to use so having more doors and having more uh possibilities always important to to be safe
1: are your manufacturers all based in the United States or maybe even your local area?
2: Yeah, no, they're all in L.A. All the sewing factories that we have are in L.A. And that's something that I also wanted to to keep for our business. We started like this and we wanted to support the, the economy. And, and it was really important to me to to see who was making our suit and, and be able to to change things and to have a fast turnaround and I think this was key for our success was to be able uh, to do 60 pieces run at the beginning and not have to do a thousand because it was done overseas, you know, or like 300 because that was the most important part for us to be able to to stay in business was to to turn fast turnarounds when a big account like a print and I just... Printed and and so the samples in like two months uh, and this is something that is really hard to do when you manufacture overseas.
1: Right, and so for for some of the people listening to this podcast episode, they might be aspiring entrepreneurs in the soft goods arena. What would you advise them, or what would you tell them in terms of what problems or issues one can expect in working with a manufacturer on soft goods?
2: Goods being late. <laughs> figuring out solutions for that. It's so hard to, and it's a race against time. It seems that there's always a problem with getting things on time from the fabrics to the real goods. So try to really be ahead of the game and plan and have a good calendar because time seems to be the the main problem when when you get, you know, into into a late production. Everything kind of falls apart, and then if you're in big accounts then you're you're gonna have to pay uh for that for the time that it's late, or some people might cancel the order uh so let's say that this is one of the most frequent problems that we have, but also unfortunately sewing problems and defects um quality control another important thing in in soft good production is to really have. Uh, inspect the goods when you receive them because if a, a consumer or a store receive product that it's defected then it could you know it can really potentially damage your brand image. Sure. Well let's
1: switch the topic and talk about selling the product to retailers. Early on, how did you do that? Tell us a story about those first approaches to the retailers and how prepared were you for that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> in this regards, I have to say that I'm really grateful to have my husband as a—he's an amazing salesperson. I'm a terrible salesperson, but I had to learn. And in fact, in the beginning, I was the one going to the stores, and and it's the best way to to show the the person behind the brand and and the idea, and to be very personal with them and to be transparent. And to give a soul to the product, I was also fortunate that I was a, a customer for all the stores that we actually sold to in the beginning. So in some cases, I knew the person, the buyer, and I and I knew what they had in the store. So really knowing the stores that you want to sell to, so just going them and seeing what product they have and see if your product fits there, and also be very flexible on, uh, you know, even some. Some cases it is necessary to start with consignment, uh, and it's it's really hard. But it's uh, the test is very important. So what I did, I just really <laughs> pack a box of sample and and drove to to see and got appointments and, and and show the line and explain why it was a relevant product and explain why they created and and the mo- one of the best reactions to me when i started Sia was reaction from guys from the buyers who were actually men uh and saw this product being very refreshing and and new and very feminine although it wasn't let's say it's sexy in a different way it's not too revealing uh but it's very feminine and and they were so surprised and so refreshed and, and they were really really on board with the idea so that made me really happy
1: When you set the price in those Mm -hmm. early days, maybe the first six months or your first year, did you set the price correctly or did you find yourself having to adjust the price to either make it more competitive or to make a profit that you needed?
2: Um, No, fortunately, the price were, um, were pretty spot on and because I was working already in the industry and I had my cost sheets and I knew what kind of margins... I needed to be working on the problem. Is actually <laughs> it becomes later on when these big accounts or distributors want discounts, and with our margins because we manufacture manufacture everything domestically, we don't have uh, the big margins. But then it's it's a very important balance, right, from wholesale price and then direct sales. Uh, we need to have direct sales in order to be in business. And in the economy of right now, I think anyone who wanted to start a software company really need to to be putting effort into the, into the direct sales because it's really, really important, especially if they want to do it uh, lo- locally or sustainable. Um, the markets are very small and wholesale only is, is really hard to survive on. And so, going back on on the price, they were okay, but I knew that I had to have the direct sales in order to survive.
1: Yes. And I had my own soft goods company. Oh. I had a snowboard and ski clothing company many years ago where I manufactured oh. in China. And I always thought that the easiest part was to get in the stores. But the hardest part was to get the product off the shelves with consumers coming mm-hmm. in and buying the product. So so how do you, as a small company, create awareness and demand for your product when it's in the store?
2: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, we have, fortunately, a wide range of, uh, in my opinion, beautiful content because one reason why I started Sia was because I saw the beauty of women surfing and, and I, I didn't see it translated with, uh, with um, a product <laughs> where they could surf in and 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 feel beautiful and look beautiful so when i see somebody surfing in a sea suit to me <laughs> it's beautiful and then uh, beautiful photos and beautiful videos come out of it and that's what most of our marketing content comes from part of our budget comes from um, surf trips where we we took photos and we're kind of selling the dream because not only is this beautiful photo everybody a lot of people might want to be in the water surfing or dream about it, so they look at the photos. And so um, I'm very lucky to not have to force too much on that side of the business. Um, and then we have a great team. My husband and then Rhea, who is our copyrighted and marketing manager, she's a surfer itself and and knows really well the, the product. So it becomes very organic, which, which is important to me in the message that you want to send when you're selling your product is to be genuine and to be, and to be, yes, and doesn't need to feel that you, you want to sell.
1: Yes, absolutely. Amanda, since you've been in the business for four or five years now, are you seeing that you're influencing your competition with your designs and your design approach? <laughs>
2: Um, yes, (laughs) I try not to look at them too much, but we definitely see a lot of uh, suits very similar to us, you know, in the past few years. And unfortunately, they're very (laughs) similar, but to me, it's always like looking ahead and, and I'm actually really proud and, you know, it's flattering. It's a compliment and I'm happy that women out there have more options now of, of what they can wear for their
1: active sports. So Amanda, let's get personal on a few topics. It seems that 9 out of 10 people just talk about starting a business, but they never start one. Starting a business is pretty special and unusual. What motivates a person like you, Amanda, to stop just talking about starting a business and to actually go out and start a business
2: like Sia? That's a good question. Well, first off, I never talked about starting a company. It was um, it was really like my dream. I was very. It wasn't like a dream to start a company. It was a dream to create something beautiful that that then became a company. So I never had like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this company. I'm gonna start this company where I'm gonna start uh, producing surf suits. You know, for women. For me, it was more. Um, I really wanna want to see if this works and i can do it in a safe way and not spending too much money and at the time when i started seeing my husband was definitely not on board so it took him about six to a year, six months to a year to then be on board with me so i really wanted to prove him wrong so instead i really talked uh, about it of what my plans were, what I was going to do. I was really hustling. I was working really hard and I was showing him that I was putting my heart and soul. And And then when he saw the sales and then when he saw the reaction of people, that's when when he came on board. Um, to me, talking is important too, though, because you kind of things uh, in, in a visual in a visual way, and then you also meet people because you're talking and, and partners and you learn things. But really, making and, and, and studying and reading is the way of, of doing it. You really need to know what you're doing.
1: Amanda, do you think you're a creator at heart?
2: Yes, absolutely. I, am, uh, I can't stop thinking about new, new things and, and new products.
1: Do you think it was your destiny? to start Sia?
2: I do think so, because uh, I traveled a lot, and I end up being this place again. It was really the right time and in the right place, so I do think it was, it was my destiny.
1: Did your success surprise you, Amanda?
2: Yeah, it's still real to me. Um, it's definitely surreal that I can to work, that I have people that I love, that I work with, and that I, can do, that I can do really creative work every day. It's really, <laughs> it's really mind-blowing, yeah.
1: What has been your biggest joy or what have you been most proud of since starting the business?
2: Being able to have the employees that we have and create a really nice environment of where we come every day. So I'd say our family and our team writers for sure.
1: What has been your biggest frustration since starting SIA?
2: I don't know if I have a a frustration. Maybe I have a hard time delegating, maybe. That's frustrating because I always try to be better at that. What
1: has surprised you most about leading a small business that continues to grow and achieve success?
2: Uh, It surprised me that consumers are really, uh, really... uh, attentive and and really want to know who's making they're more and more aware of the companies who are are making the things that they buy Uh, and that gives me also like a lot more strength to keep going
1: how do you stay ahead of leading a trend obviously you're making an impact and making people really become aware of your design direction but as you build on that success, how do you keep it going? Does that seem to keep you up at night to a degree?
2: Definitely. It's a, it's a challenge. It definitely is an inspiration doesn't come <laughs> constantly all the time. Uh, but to me, traveling and um, and right now at this moment, is really talking to, to to younger crowd. We just launched the See a Girl line, so 8 to 14 years old. Um, so surrounding surrounding myself with inspiring people, uh, that that serve or, or that, that like to be uh, active and and just really get inspired by other women.
1: What other types of inspiration drives your creativity?
2: Oh vintage shopping <laughs> definitely. I love going thrift thrift shopping and vintage shopping and I just to me there is something so beautiful on a uh, sixty textiles or a fifty swimsuit. Um, those are always the pieces who, who that made me come up with new ideas.
1: Amanda, many entrepreneurs, even very successful and seasoned entrepreneurs, experience self-doubt as they go along the entrepreneurial journey. How much self-doubt have you had, if any, and how have you dealt with it if you had any?
2: Uh, that's a hard question because I, I feel that I just passed... Um, some hard time just regarding to that uh we went on a on a surf trip to sri lanka uh, in january and we were a big crew about 10 people and i had a hard time because i felt that i was losing uh the poetry i was losing losing the the, the beauty of what sia started it just became oh we gotta get more photos of this dude we gotta get this surf shot we needed to do this and and then i when i came back i felt that i was really in a in a hard spot because I was stressed out and I was stressing other people out, and and so I was like, okay, I need to sit back for a moment and and see the achievement that we had so far and 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 look back and take a breather because it's it's hard, and especially when you're growing. I feel that the fifth year is when there is kind of like the the point where you need to decide, okay, are you gonna sell out or or do you want to keep doing what you're doing, but then you might not survive because other companies are doing what you're doing? Uh, it's definitely tough. And the only way for me to keep going is really being transparent with the people of the office. And we had a couple meetings and they gave me so much strength. And, uh, and that's the only reason why I, I really became inspired again is is to be open and and to know that the product that i'm doing is still relevant and and right now the focus for me would be to make seo more sustainable so always have a focus on on bringing something new to the company so our goal for 2018 is to have at least 50 percent of our fabric and our product be um sustainable
1: Amanda, do you think that starting your own business has changed you as a person?
2: Absolutely, yes. In what I way? Was, uh, I was way more shy. I felt that I didn't need to communicate as much, and now it's uh, it's very important to be clear uh, and to be and to be always telling people what you expect from them. Uh, and and so it changed me in it, definitely in a better in a better way. I feel that I would be better. Also, uh, I am better as a mom as well because I feel that I need to be uh, more clear and more communicative.
1: What do you think you've learned most about yourself since starting SIA?
2: That I have a hard time being a boss. <laughs> That's the one of the biggest challenge, actually, when you, um, when you ask me the question of the frustration is still a part that I'm working on. Uh, to me, I, everybody is a friend first, and then an employee. So I have a hard time uh, putting some boundaries and, and being, and being, yeah, a better, better delegator and a better boss. So I'm still working on that.
1: Over time in your life, either personally or professionally, who has been most influential to you, Amanda?
2: My brother Emiliano was definitely a big influence. Uh, and he was an influence growing up also big why I started surfing. Uh, he was a, a snowboarder. And so I followed him in the mountains. And then when he started surfing, I wanted to surf too. And, and he was the one who made our logo. And uh, he was definitely a big part of our company and still is. I would definitely call him, uh, asking him for advice. And he's an an art director. He has an amazing aesthetic, aesthetic um, v- visions. Uh, so he was definitely a big part.
1: Amanda, do you look up to any particular entrepreneurs in your industry or maybe not in your industry or other brands that you sort of highly respect
2: absolutely we actually just came out uh last week we went to a meeting with patagonia to use uh their their um ulex rubber um tree rubber neoprene uh and that was (laughs) mind-blowing that's the only company that we look we look up to and i think it's amazing what they do and how they do it and absolutely that's what we <laughs> want to become if we grow, hopefully. And it's so great that they have transparency also on the, on the fabrics that they use and uh, the manufacturing that they use. And and they're 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 really great great company.
1: Do you think growing up in an Italian family and being exposed to Italy and that sort of heritage and those different cultural elements, as well as growing up in Brazil, do you think that? influenced you in any way in terms of your brand, Sia?
2: Yes, I think the personal background of a a person definitely influenced um, your work. From from Italy, of course, I got the influence of all the fashion, and my mom also is a big influence in that, and Brazil uh, is for color and positivity, and so absolutely, I think it definitely influenced me.
1: Finally, Amanda, did I miss any questions that you feel like you'd want to provide answers to or do you have any closing pieces of advice for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners?
2: Well, I just want to really say that if you if you do believe in your product and your idea and think that the product is relevant uh, for other people, absolutely put your head into it and, and do it. Uh, there is nothing that can stop you.
1: Amanda, you've been a terrific guest, offering great stories and advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success, for your entrepreneurial courage, and for sharing your experiences with us. It's been great.
2: Thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure being with you.
0: Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel, featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business.